Hello, and welcome to Re-Energize. This is a place to discover more about emerging tech and offshore renewables and how we will meet our future energy needs. My name is Fiona Smy, Graduate Marketing and Communications Executive at the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult, the UK's leading research and innovation centre for offshore renewables. We connect agile technology developers, academics and industry players working to accelerate the UK's wind, wave and tidal energy sectors. The UK has enough natural resources of offshore renewables to provide the country's energy requirements, including transport and heating, with sphere to export to Europe. Key to capturing this opportunity will be the development of coastal communities and the local UK supply chains for all phases of the project lifecycle. At ORE Catapult, we are at the heart of this revolution in growth. We are already working with established UK companies in these regions with a vision to catalyse clusters of activity with world-renowned expertise up and down our coast. Today, we are focusing on the opportunities that are available in Wales and the South West. So, without further ado, let's meet today's guests. Hi Fiona, my name is Magnus Harald. I'm an Innovation Manager based within the ORI Catapult team in Wales. Hi, I'm Chris Williams. I'm the Commercial Manager at Bombora Wave Power. Bombora is a company that originated in Perth, Western Australia. Uh, we've come over to Wales to develop our M-Wave technology. And I'll tell you all about that in, uh, in a minute. Hi there, I'm Simon Cheeseman from the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult. I'm the Catapult Wave and Tidal Sector Specialist. I also run the Catapult's Cornwall office down in Hale, where we've got six people working down there on a range of projects that I'll tell you about later on. Thank you very much, guys. So we'll start off today's podcast episode by pinning down some of the, the terminology that we'll be using. So this month's technical challenge, I'll ask each of you to explain um, three renewable energy concepts to us in under 30 seconds. So Magnus, could you please describe what MIS is? MIS, uh, that stands for Marine Energy Engineering Centre of Excellence. MIS, it's an ERDF-funded project that we're running. We're running this project in partnership with Welsh Academia. And, and the purpose really of MIS is um, to use this funding that we've received to, um, to support companies in Wales to um, evaluate, de-risk, and um, ideally commercialise their, their new products and services for the offshore renewable energy sector. Chris, could you describe to us what net zero is? Yes, yeah, so net zero is exactly what it says in the tin, really. It's about... Um, making sure that our greenhouse gas emissions are reduced by 100% relative to 1990 levels by 2050. So this is a, a government policy and it's about the energy mix. So it's trying to make sure that all uh, renewable energy technologies are able to provide a contribution to doing this. It's about trying to make sure that areas where that haven't been developed in the past before, such as wave power, are able to contribute to that. And Simon, can you please let us know what the Celtic Sea Alliance is? Yeah, sure. So um, the Catapult produced a macroeconomic report on the benefits of floating offshore wind to the UK, and that highlighted that Scotland and the South West were the two best uh, areas for that because of deep water and uh, consistent um, wind resource. The Celtic Sea itself is off the coast of Cornwall, in southern Wales and uh, Ireland and is the focus for floating offshore wind in the southwest. And we estimate that that can provide around a third of the UK's renewable energy needs. So the Celtic Sea Alliance was launched in 2019 and is a memorandum of understanding between Cornwall as a silly local enterprise partnership, Marine Energy Wales and Marine Renewables Industry Association of Ireland. 
and they're agreeing to collaborate to develop the Arctic Sea to provide low carbon energy, innovative new jobs and social economic impacts across the region. And so the Catapult meets with the Cardiac Sea Alliance to help bring a sort of national perspective. And since forming, the group has expanded now and now includes developers such as Blue Gem Wind, DP Energy, Energy and the Irish Wind Energy Association. So we'll move on to the first discussion point of the episode here, just talking about the regional opportunities for offshore renewable energy in Wales and the southwest of England. So we'll start here with um, floating offshore wind and energy grown exponentially in these regions over the past few years. So I was just wondering, can you give us more background on the importance of these industries and in helping grow uh, the local economies down there? So Simon, can we start with you, please? Down in Cornwall, we've got a very strong maritime focus. A lot of businesses down in Cornwall are um, working uh, around UK waters and international waters on the installation of both oil and gas and um, fixed bottom floating wind. So the advent of um, floating offshore wind in the Celtic Sea is something that's you know, obviously very appealing um, to that, uh, that supply chain. Um, we've also got a very strong academic focus down here in the southwest as well, where we've got um, University of Exeter at the Penryn campus with expertise in ocean energy, subsea dynamic cables, and then um, University of Plymouth in Devon, where they've got ship bridge simulators, um, they do a lot of work looking at uh, sort of wave technology. They've got their coast test tank. And then we've got a number of um, offshore facilities as well. We've got the Falmouth Bay test site that tests early stage technology. Um, we've got the Smart Sound facility, which is an autonomous vessels trial site in Plymouth. So, you know, we've got a lot of capability here and that's actually attractive to floating offshore wind developers. We've had a number of those developers coming down to look around the region and get to know the supply chain at the moment. And typically we've seen people like Blue Gem Wind, which is a joint venture between Simply Blue Energy and um, Tatel. They're developing now, they've gone public and announced that their intention to develop the Erebus site, which is a 96 megawatt um, demonstrator project um, in the Celtic Sea. And you know we know there are others that uh, are yet to break cover. So, you know, this is great news for the area and it's strongly supported by the Cornwall and Isles of Scilly Local Enterprise Partnership, as well as the Great Southwest um, Local Enterprise Partnership. So the Catapult is in Cornwall. I, I run the Cornwall office and we're supporting that initiative with boots on the ground down here, um, supporting both the, um, the stakeholders and the supply chain to help develop that supply chain. We're also helping establish the, um, the Celtic Cluster, which is the, the name formally given to the supply chain down here. And we're working as well internally with our own floating offshore wind um, centre of excellence and the offshore wind growth partnership. So the centre of excellence will look at the sort of uh, technology uh, agenda and the offshore wind growth partnership is there to help businesses be able to bid into uh, floating offshore wind procurement. So it's a really exciting time for us. Um, a lot to do in a relatively short time to start getting ready for um, what we anticipate will be the next bidding rounds for floating offshore wind in the area. That's great. Thank you very much, Simon. Magnus and Chris, would you mind telling us a little bit more about how these industries have grown in the, the Welsh communities? I think we're talking about three technologies here that all at the moment remain largely untapped. I'll maybe talk a bit more about wave and tidal because Simon touched on floating wind nicely there. But um, I think I think for wave and tidal, you know, the, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the current estimates is that it could provide as much as 20% of the UK's electricity needs alone 
And, and they're also providing something quite unique there to offshore wind and, and other renewables. Not only is it in a source of energy that's um, not necessarily in phase with offshore wind, um, these are sources of energy that are um, much more predictable as well. And um, that's something just looking ahead to the future that's going to be invaluable when it comes to managing our future energy systems. I know that there's a lot of ongoing research in, in this area at the moment. You know, from, from my perspective, personally, I feel as though the lessons learned from, from, from offshore wind previously, probably, um, you know, particularly in the North Sea, where developers uh, maybe have come from uh, continental Europe, building large scale projects and hardly using any of the UK supply chain at all. Um, this is principally because the vessels have been coming from areas like the, the, the Netherlands and such like. The wind turbines, you know, the UK doesn't make any of its own large scale wind turbines anymore. And the foundations, again, that they've been coming from, from overseas. So I think the lesson we should take to float offshore wind and marine renewables is to try to provide as much local opportunity for, for jobs as possible. So with Bombora, we've been very lucky that we have benefited through the ERDF funding, European Regional Development funding, uh, from the Welsh Government. And that has enabled ourselves to inject £20 million equivalent into the Welsh region here. And 80% of those contracts have been awarded to companies in the UK, and 60% have been awarded to, to companies within, within a mile from where we're actually deploying. So the opportunity within floating offshore wind uh, wave and tidal is, is fantastic for the, the marine communities, as Simon just explained with regard to the, the port infrastructure, etc., to be able to benefit directly from, from this investment. That's great. Thank you very much, guys. So how do you think that the expansion of these industries at a regional level is going to affect the UK in being able to achieve its net zero targets by, by 2050? Again, within the regions, you know, within Wales, within Cornwall, we've got a very strong supply chain. Um, and some of those companies aren't actually involved in renewables at the moment, but they're involved in other sectors, maybe aerospace, maybe automotive, uh, and even nuclear. And there's a strong case to say that um, there's good technology transfer to come in from those other sectors, as well as bolstering what we've already got in the regions. So I think in that way, you know, the supply chains uh, in these regions can support this uh, national effort to achieve these very ambitious targets that we've got now. The, um, the original targets for 2030 were sort of 30 gigawatts. Now it's 40 gigawatts. And of course, we're talking about something like 70 gigawatts by um, 2050. So, you know, we've really got to put out all the stops and put our foot on the accelerator to be able to achieve that. I'd go back to my North Sea argument where, you know, initially in, um, in, in offshore wind, principally in round one, um, everyone was running off to sandbanks, uh, looking at areas with, with relatively shallow water. Round two and round three, we, we moved into, into deeper water and then we found most of the investment being done in the North Sea. The new opportunities with, uh, with floating offshore wind and marine renewables enables ourselves to go to areas that haven't been exploited at all at this moment in time. So you look off the west coast of, of, of Cornwall, of, of Wales, um, a lot of Scotland and Ireland, and these are areas which go straight into deep water, um, have significant wave resources and areas that have previously been avoided for those natural resources. These new technologies enable ourselves to be able to exploit those areas and to feed electricity into grids, which at the moment are strong, such as Pembrokeshire here, where there's two gigawatts of connection running into uh, across Wales into England, and to use those existing infrastructure to be able to reduce emissions. 
Yeah, and um, just to, to come in, talking about how the, these regions can benefit from offshore renewable energy, I think both Pembrokeshire and Cornwall, they're home to steel fabricators, boat builders, companies with marine engineering expertise. There are other examples. But some of these companies, we're seeing them already turn their hand to offshore renewable energy. Off the top of my head, there's one notable example I can think of. It's a company called Mainstay Marine, based in Pembroke Dock. Uh, they're a boat builder. They still build boats. But um, in more recent times, they've been building, in addition to that, wave and tidal energy devices. And that includes the, the Bombora M-Wave, for example. Also, when you, you think of these two regions, Pembrokeshire and Cornwall, again, much of the workforce is, is in the tourism sector. And that's um, you know a sector that's often very seasonal in some cases doesn't necessarily appeal to the younger generation in many cases they're then choosing to move away and, and, and sadly never return but offshore renewable energy coming to these places it can offer something different it can offer well-paid high-skilled jobs that could potentially buck these trends that we've seen in the past. Chris from an SME's perspective how have you found entering the Welsh marine energy market? Were there any barriers that you had to overcome? I think, you know, Wales has got a massive amount to offer. The, the port infrastructure, the natural resource, um, the supply chain, as, as we've already mentioned. But most and moreover, the ERDF funding opportunity that the Welsh Government has attributed to marine renewables is, is second to none. So 100.3 million euros allocated to uh, developing new projects, new tidal and wave projects in Welsh waters is, is, is actually fantastic for companies like ourselves to come here and to develop our technology, create new businesses and opportunities um, going forward. So with regard to the grant funding, the, the barrier has, we find elsewhere has been a, a massive opportunity. The difficulty now is the, the longevity of the grant um, funding opportunities in, in the UK and in Wales full stop. We understand that um, you know, through Brexit, UK companies might be unlikely to be able to benefit from the EU funding, uh, such as the um, European Green Deal Innovation Fund um, and Horizon Europe. But having said that, there's talk about commitment from the UK government to ensure that the Future Prosperity Fund does not limit regions like Wales from not being able to progress um, in, in the way that it wants to do so going forward. So from a public funding perspective, I think it is a big unknown. So we're really having to make tough decisions on how we develop our business going forward, but more so, I think, you know, with regard to the, the subsidy. So, you know, the renewal obligation certificates, if anyone remembers those, that they were pulled, which offered five rocks to innovative technologies such as marine renewables. When the contracts for difference, the CFD first came out, there was a, a, a minima for wave and tidal to the tune of over £300 per megawatt hour to try to give these innovative technologies are a kickstart to, to move them forward, which is what offshore wind had in, in the early days with multiple rocks. And now we're in a situation where there's recent consultation with regard to CFD. We understand there will be a pot two, which may or may not have a dedicated subsidy for floating offshore wind tidal and, and wave, but we don't know at the moment. And the industry has been screaming out really for the uh, industrial power purchase agreement and the IPPA to try and give technologies like ourselves the boost we need to rather than rely on public grants, we're able to develop projects and find our own way forward. Repowering coastal communities is a phrase that's often thrown around the offshore renewables sector in the UK. Can you give us a brief explanation on what this phrase actually means? So yeah, re repowering coastal communities. 
I suppose that that's a reference to the fact that if you do need to do anything offshore, you need to do it from a port of embarkation and you want your sort of supply chain mustered around that sort of local port as close as possible, um, which means that you, you need to invest in those coastal communities and those coastal communities subsequently see a lot of knock-on investment as a result of offshore operations that may be conducted sort of locally from there. I think I prefer the term empowering coastal communities actually because you know where we've seen perhaps a decline in fishing or shipbuilding or something like that um, renewables offers a fantastic opportunity for um, reskilling people creating different sorts of jobs younger people today really get the renewables message and are fully behind it and are looking you know really proactively for careers in renewables so you know it brings a lot of interest into um, coastal communities but up until now perhaps lacked that investment that, that they really needed I think I probably mostly echo what Simon said. At the end of the day, we're an island nation. Um, in the past, many of the communities formed around our, our coastline because of the opportunities that brought, as Simon said, in traditional industries like fishing, shipping, manufacturing. Many of these industries have unfortunately since declined. If you look at Wales as a, as a, as a case study, Pembroke Dock's a very good uh, story. That was once a thriving naval dockyard for I think over a hundred years, uh, but it's, it's since declined. Even across the water, if you look at uh, Milford Haven, that's been through peaks and troughs with the with the oil industry. But what we're now seeing in in this region is that, um, that there's a offshore renewable energy cluster forming, and that, that's bringing new life and opportunities into the region. It, it's really exciting. I mean, you, you only have to look at what happened and is continuing to happen on the, on the east coast of the country to see how offshore renewables can repower coastal communities. Places like Grimby is probably one of the best examples, which uh, went through years of decline and um, is now regarded as a, a national hub for offshore wind. I think as, as you come into um, th these local regions, uh, you, you get a significant amount of support. So uh, organisations such as Marine Energy Wales, the Port of Pembroke, you end up in a situation where you're welcomed with open arms. You know, the technology that we're talking about quite often, uh, such as the M-Wave technology that we're developing, has uh, minimal environmental impact. And you seem to be really adding to the, the overall culture of the area and, and the needs of the area. You know? So Bombor has expanded from four staff when we first set up in, uh, in Wales. And now we have 27 full-time equivalents. So most of those are from the local area. And it's not just high-tech high jobs. It's it's across the whole range of job opportunities here. And again, as Simon mentioned previously, about talking to the universities and, and, and bringing students in for experience and, and talking to local colleges as well. The thing I'd like to also mention, you know, repowering, well, you know, a lot of these smaller projects will provide power directly into the communities. Yeah. Um, and again, there's opportunities for things like corporate um, power purchase agreements or behind the meter opportunities. And I think you know, the, the people in, in Pembrokeshire most, most definitely, you know, they really appreciate the sustainability of, of, of renewable energy and, and they embrace it. So we, we've been very welcomed here. So looking to the, the future of what these regions are going to look like, you know, 10, 20, even 50 years time, have you got any idea of what you think the marine energy industry and the floating offshore wind industry is going to, is going to do for these regions? Um, Magnus, shall I start with you this time? So in the short term, uh, in Wales, I, I think we'll, we'll see more deployments of new marine energy technologies, starting next year with Chris and Bombora's M-Wave device of Pembrokeshire, which we're, we're all really excited about. 
We also hope things like the reusage of the, the Ramsey Sound tidal energy site that will take place. And I know Simon will probably touch on this a bit later in the podcast because his team down in Cornwall are supporting that via via the Tiger project. I think um, we've we've already touched on it already, but I think um, to reiterate, I think the, the sleeping dragon-sized opportunity in Wales really has to be the floating wind in the Celtic Sea. Um, and as Simon said, it's you know it's pleasing to see that we've already got one developer based in the region with plans to to develop a, a demonstration project in the second half of this decade. That we hope will be followed by a series of projects at commercial scale. I think um, you know we, we've we've already mentioned the, the potential for the Celtic Sea. Uh, a recent report by ourselves said that um, in a sort of low case scenario, the, the attainable wind resource in the Celtic Sea could be as much as 50 gigawatts, which is is absolutely vast. If we look to North Wales, then and another piece of recent good news is that um, the Gwyntimore offshore wind farm, which which not too long ago um, was actually one of the UK's largest. That wind farm has recently secured uh, an agreement for lease with the Crown Estate for an extension. It's also worth mentioning that North Wales was included uh, as one of the seabed bidding areas in the Crown Estate's round four leasing round. So, so I fully expect to see more fixed bottom offshore wind off the coast of North Wales in, in the near future. And uh, we know that there are a few developers interested in floating wind in, in North Wales too. Looking slightly further ahead, you know, obviously I'm, I'm really hopeful that we see wave and tidal technologies deployed in significant numbers. Again, coming to North Wales, we, we have the Morlice project up there off the coast of Anglesey. That's aiming to be one of the largest tidal energy stream sites in the world, with a nameplate capacity of about 240 megawatts. We can't forget things like the hydrogen. Hydrogen, I think, is going to be key in um, renewables realizing their potential and is going to be key in managing our future energy networks. We're already part of some pioneering work in South Wales on the uh, Milford Haven and Kingdom project. So it's a kind of case of watch this space at the moment. Yeah, I suppose from a, from a Cornish perspective, and just thinking about threading offshore wind, um, we've got a sort of stepping stones approach to, to how to develop that. Um, the Wave Hub site is uh, repurposing itself as a floating offshore wind site. We'd like to see, and that's obviously Group Connect and, and sort of ready to go in every other sense. So we'd like to see that build out um, over the next 10 years, and that will give the supply chain a, an opportunity to cut its teeth, if you like, with floating offshore wind. Um, then we've got the um, the Blue Gem Wind Erebus project as well. Um, you know, in 10 years' time, we'd like to see that, that well underway. In 20 years' time, we'd like to see considerable build out of floating offshore wind um, in the Celtic Sea and probably a shift actually to offshore hydrogen production as well to look at sort of different energy vectors and give us a sort of storage component as well and then sort of 50 years time then you know we should be celebrating achieving those all important net zero targets so you know that would be a, a huge achievement. Magnus mentioned the Tiger project, um, the Tidal Industry Energizer project that's looking at deployment of tidal devices um, in the UK and in France important factor there is to is to demonstrate and provide evidence for cost reduction for tidal prove that it's a viable um, energy system to have in the market personally i'd like to see both wave and tidal making greater strides and having more support uh, maybe that support comes from governments from other countries initially to enable um, wave and tidal to prosper in other set in uh, other areas but um, i certainly think there's a place for them in the uk um, energy mix and as magnus mentioned we've got some great projects with the Morlice project and great projects with um, Bombora as well. 
Chris, what do you think the future looks like for um, the industry, but also for Bumbora um, in the short term and the long term? Yeah, I think we've got a chance of a lifetime. We need to make a difference at the moment. Um, you know, just talking about some of the uh, the infrastructure benefits, the industrial strategy that, that that's got to offer, and, and Pembroke Dock Marine should provide the facilities and the yes, investment attractiveness for people to invest. From Bumbora's perspective, we have been here developing a project now for the last two years, creating our 1.5 megawatt M-Wave, which is a unique technology sitting beneath the ocean surface. So it's able to um, protect itself from, from the significant wave loading and it's fully scalable. So our next step going forward would be a, a three or a four megawatt machine, which is by far the most powerful wave devices that have, have been developed to date. Um, and it's about making sure that we, we can prove and, and illustrate the, the competitiveness and the um, levelized cost of energy that, um, that, that M-Wave can deliver going forward. You know, some of our future projects will be in the UK, some will be overseas. So I think you know, from, from a manufacturing perspective, Pembroke Dock itself and other areas close by, uh, including Cornwall, offer great facilities. I think we have to acknowledge that some of the larger structures will be built closer to, to their home if, if we're building projects further, further afield. But the legacy from Bombora to Welsh Government and the UK is that, you know, the, say the brains of the output, but the, you know, the, the engineering technology, the intellectual property, etc., will be exported from, from Wales to those projects, wherever they may be. So we'll move on to the, the next discussion topic here, which is more about ORE Catapult's presence in Wales and uh, the South West regions. So Magnus, we're approaching the anniversary of the Marine Energy Engineering Centre of Excellence that's in um, Wales. Could you tell us a bit more about why MIS was established in 2019 and what it's achieved with its first year of, of operation? MIS was established for, for a couple of reasons, really. Wales has been an active hive of activity for a number of years now in, in the wave and tidal sector. You know, we've seen a lot of technologies basing themselves here, including Bombora, of course. So there's been a lot of wave and tidal technology uh, activity. But if, if you go back even further than this, you have to remember that many of the first commercial scale offshore wind farms were actually also off the coast of North Wales. So Wales has been doing this for quite a long time now. But despite all of this activity, um, there hasn't ever really been somewhere local for Welsh SMEs with technologies to get support in order to bring these ideas and technologies to the offshore renewable energy market. So that's really what uh, MIS was set up to do, is to, to help ensure that Wales and the UK gets a piece of the offshore renewable energy action. Secondly, I would say that, uh, you know, we, we were set up because as, as the already catapult, we've increasingly over the last few years been spreading our wings to, to regions in which we uh, previously didn't have a, a significant presence. And, you know, that includes Simon's team in, in, in the southwest, for example. MIS, you know, we feel is very much uh, the first phase in us establishing as ORE Catbot our, our long-term presence in Wales. It's good to have people on the ground here because it enables us to have a much closer working relationship with companies. If I move on to your question about what, what's MIS been up to for the last year and, and in the time frame that we've established ourselves, um, you, you're absolutely right there to say that, you know, the operation's been, been live for a year now. The only thing I would say is that actually for, for most of us, it's been a, a period of time slightly, slightly less than that. Personally, I, I joined the MIS team at the end of November last year. That's a, a similar story for most of us. But uh, I think if you go back to, to this point in time last year, there was just one person on the ground. Uh, we've since grown uh, to a team of eight. We've established an office in, in Pembroke Dock. 
we're a small and varied team, uh, includes you know people like engineers, people on the professional services side, um, as well as people like myself who work on the kind of business development and project management side. We like to think of ourselves in, in many ways as becoming like a, a miniature version of the, the ORE catapult as a whole. Project-wise, over the last year, obviously, you know, it's, it's great to have Chris on the call because, you know, they were our, our first uh, company that we, we signed up and we've been working with them, I think, since April this year on their, their floating M-Wave project, which is, which is great. We do have a number of other projects that are taped up and will soon be coming out of the project pipeline. But unfortunately, at the moment, although it's on the tip of my tongue, I'm having to remain a little bit tight-lipped on that. But it is a case of um, I've watched this space. What I will say is that many of our projects are going to involve testing new technologies at sea for the first time. We'll be doing much of this at the um, local marine energy test area, or META as it's known for short. META is a series of pre-consented sites in the Milford Haven waterway. It's managed by Marine Energy Wales. And over the last year, we've been working hand in hand with them to uh, make sure that the operational procedures are in place to carry out these projects. Elsewhere, we've had the, um, a couple of months ago now, we had the, 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 the exciting news that we, we had the green light on the Swansea Bay City Deal funded Pembroke Dock Marine project. Uh, that's a key component of our funding for MEES, but uh, is also very much a larger project that aims to establish a world-class center for marine engineering uh, in, in this area. And lastly, we're also like um, like Simon's team are in, in the southwest. We're, we're very much part of the floating offshore wind centre of excellence down here in Wales too. And, and we've made a commitment to to spend up to 500k on project work in relation to floating wind here in Wales. And uh, we've had a number of discussions with um, stakeholders in the region about you know what are the most important projects to do. Firstly, um, and you know again, <laughs> I'm having to remain a little bit tight-lipped, but uh, we hope to have those projects up and running before the end of the year too. So Chris, would you be able to give us a bit more information on what the project is that you're conducting with our MIS team and how you've benefited from the MIS programme? The technology we're developing called M-Wave, as I said before, sits beneath the surface of the ocean. It uses the, the hydrostatic differential head. So as, as a wave comes over the top of the device, the, the trough and the crest of the wave change the pressure subsea. We then use a, a large rubber membrane, like a diaphragm, to create air pressure, which is forced through a duct system and through an air turbine. To maximize the extractability of the, of the ocean's energy, we need to be around 10 meters below the surface of, of the sea. Hence, our initial project is to put a, a seabed mounted uh, or fixed foundation on, on the sea in about 10 meters of water, which is what we've been doing um, since 2007. So our first project in Pembroke Dock here is to do a demonstration project where we're putting a 1.5 megawatt device on, on the seabed at East Picard Bay within the meta area, the mean energy testing area, which is absolutely fine. But, but, but now we're looking for the future and, and the big win or the big prize in WAVE is a massive potential, the massive resource that's further out to sea. This is found in deeper water. So our ambition is to supplement our shallow fixed M-wave with an offshore M-wave. 
There's all sorts of complexities then having structures that effectively float, whether they be semi-submersible or tension-led platforms or other. And we've been very lucky that we've been talking to, to Magnus and his team at Mies to be able to help us look at the, the implications of floating structures in high wave energy resource areas and how we can generate energy from, from such a platform. And this is exactly what we've been looking at. So we've been working closely with, with Magnus and the team to do some computer simulations of effectively a floating M-wave structure and look at the various implications on, on, on cost size of structure. And then we are going to take that forward to do an economic analysis um, of the benefits of, of a floating M-wave structure. And what's really exciting for me personally, having been involved in offshore wind for a long time ago in, in Wales, is the opportunity to co-locate or integrate M-wave floating technology into the floating offshore wind farm market that is global and massive and is also a lot closer to, to home. So, you know, we should be able to use the, the energy resource that is available in the Celtic Seas and hopefully be able to develop wave technology to, to come back into Pembrokeshire to, to feed into, into the local community. So yeah, a very exciting project and uh, pleased to say it's been going very well. Simon, so you're the wave and tidal energy sector leads down in our uh, Cornwall office. So can you give us a bit more information of what you and the team are working on down there? Um, you mentioned earlier about the Tiger um, project as well. So if there's any other projects that you want to um, discuss too, that would, that would be brilliant. I suppose I've been down in Cornwall now probably for um, nearly five years. I, I came down when the catapult was first thinking about how it would engage with the regions, recognising that it's better and easier to work with people on the ground than, than try and do it from central sort of UK locations. Um, and I sort of came down to help with the Cornwall Marine Energy Roadmap and then started to look at sort of SME innovation and engagement there. Working with the um, various universities down here, we started to look at projects to actually support SME innovation. Then we got to the point where, you know, we needed some more stuff. I created the, the Tiger project. Tiger's a 46 million euro project to try and collect evidence to prove the cost reduction pathway for tidal stream energy and working with the supply chain, looking at collaboration between um, a range of tidal stream developers to show that they, they could achieve economies of scale and that volume manufacturing is achievable and thereby drive them to um, below £90 per megawatt hour. And so we established the office in Cornwall. We've got six people there now, a different set of um, specialists, innovation manager, sort of program manager, technology specialist, um, procurement specialist and techno-economic expertise as well. And so in addition to Tiger, we cover a range of um, sort of international projects, sort of EU commission funded um, projects that are predominantly looking at SME support. We've also got a project called uh, Marine Eye, Marine Innovation that's for Cornwall businesses to help them innovate, help them to grow and help them to be able to bid into sort of Innovate UK type um, grant funding bids as well. So really, you know, the, the sort of USP, if you like, for, the, for that office is all about project development, whether it's in wave, tidal or floating wind, and, and also for the sort of enabling technologies as well. Uh, we're doing a lot of work on um, autonomous systems, um, both surface and subsurface. Um, doing work on sort of spatial planning, spatial mapping, and starting to sort of look at ecology issues, um, drones, different sort of floating dock technology, um, a whole range of marine energy type um, applications, if you like. I suppose I'd say in, in some respects, when you look at the map, you think 
crikey, Cornwall's a long way from um, Pembroke. But with the aid of Zoom and telephone and email, things like that, actually, you know, we're, we're sort of talking to each other nearly every day. And uh, miles don't matter. At our heart, we've got the same ambition is to see the success of, um, you know, marine energy and floating offshore wind. And that's why, you know, it, it just makes sense for us to work together and share learning and um, sort of signpost opportunities to each other. So I think that's one of the strengths that the, the Catapult regional teams can bring. Plus, we've then got the ability to reach back, as I say, into the sort of corporate side of, of the Catapult as well, and then into the wider Catapult network, you know, really strong organisation structure. I think from my perspective as well, I'd just like to, to thank everyone at Catapult. I've been doing this personally for many years now, um, and in previous companies, it hasn't been quite so easy to be able to benefit from the, the knowledge and the experience in, in such a, a diverse and, uh, and significant team. So, you know, I think Mies for ourselves and, and previous discussions with, with Simon on, on other initiatives have been very, very useful for Bombora to be able to um, expand its knowledge further and to be able to reach out to, to, to get hold of this knowledge um, from people who are more than happy to, to share it with us for the greater good. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Catapult. Magnus, Chris and Simon, thank you for taking part in today's episode. It's now time to de-energise until next month. In the meantime, listeners can find more information on Chris's work at Bombora on their website, www.bomborawave.com and you can learn more about ORE Catapult activities at ore.catapult.org.uk and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at ORE Catapult. Thanks for listening.